The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Bounty hunters. We don't need those, scum. Yes, sir. Those podcasters won't escape us. Sir, we have a priority signal from the Star Destroyer Avenger. There will be a substantial reward for the one who finds the Dark Times podcast. We're free to use any methods necessary, but I want them alive. No mongo thinning. As you wish. Hello and welcome back to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite defective clone. And I'm Steven, your favorite dark lordlet of the Sith, anyone? <laughs> Darth Manlet, maybe. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a very particular vocabulary, Sam. Yep. You've been on, you've been on those image boards lately? <laughs> No. <laughs> Unconvincingly. <laughs> Fucking Seymour? Like. Steven. What's up? I feel like it's been a while. Bad, it's it's bad batch season. Yes. I loved check, it. I check your supermarkets. It's bad batch season. <laughs> it's it's in they got that shit on sale. It's bad batch a three for one deal. Bad batch I, season. <laughs> I didn't I don't know. I didn't think I'd enjoy the premiere as much as I did, but I but I did. I very much liked it. I liked it a lot. I had a really good time. It, it was fun. Did it need to be three episodes, twenty-five minutes long? No, it was definitely stretched out. I I feel like they were really trying to drive home the like, you know, really shit situation that that they're in. By showing us For the sure. same thing repeatedly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really? It's like, okay, I get it. You know, it's, it, she's a prisoner. I get it. She's she's a 12. She's like a 10-year-old girl. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> this is, Star Wars isn't for her. Star Wars. Wow. <laughs> oh, we, we, we are kidding for those tuning in. Just so you know, I know we push that envelope sometimes. And this oh, is one of those times. Oh, um, I love satire. <laughs> really like dark. And I don't mean like dark content. I mean like the actual like lighting of these of these scenes was fucking very, very, very dark, very yeah. dim. Um, oh, man. I, I liked the idea of like abandoned clone cadets just living in the jungle on some fucked up oh, fuck yeah. off moon. Oh, spoiler like up, oh yeah. Uh, it's like, it's like the whole plot of the second episode. Like, I don't know if that's plot critical. It's a, I mean, if you haven't seen it yet. Okay, sure. Sorry. I'll throw the spoiler warning. Yeah. Spoiler fine, warning. Yeah. yeah I, I thought, I, I thought it was, I thought it was some nice pulpy sci-fi goodness. And I, uh, yes, I loved, we had like, oh, failed experiments overran the base. Oh, abandoned, yeah. you know, abandoned clones being experimented on. Like, come on. It was great. We love that shit. Uh, and yeah, just very, very dim episodes. It made the this few sparse scenes with lighting kind of stand out in, in fun ways. They did lots of cool lighting tricks, I think, that, that were interesting. Yeah. I hope we're allowed to see the characters in the next in the next <laughs> few episodes. <laughs> and I thought this was only a curse with live action shows. I didn't realize. Right. This was something right. That- <laughs> I was like, wow, they did the, they did the prestige television uh, live action show th- problem with, with a, with a, a cartoon. That's great. <laughs> and I, I've got like a decent TV that's got really good, like black points and, you know, HDR gamut, whatever the fuck. And it was still like, I was fucking like, damn, it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I and you know it's something where it's like, oh, it's it's part of the it's part of the arc, Stephen. So once the once the story gets better for our heroes, there's gonna be a lot more light. Involved. Yeah, of course, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, if they do that, if they do that at Lucasfilm, it's it's fucking stupid. But if you do it at your table, it's actually genius. <laughs> yeah, all the best GMs turn off their overhead light for dramatic effect. What guy who's definitely used extraneous lighting at the table? <laughs> oh yeah, I have. <laughs> Forgot about that. That was cool. Yeah, it was great. See, I told you if you do it at your table, it's sick as fuck. <laughs> it wasn't even my idea, but I'll take credit for it. Yeah, you should. Uh, we have some feedback from last week. Oh boy, it's from Little Literalist. Go ahead and read it, Stephen. Little Literalist on Reddit says Pathfinder Adventure Paths have player guides which give players spoiler-free tips for what they should expect for the adventure module. Things that their characters would know, how different classes would fit well into the setting, types of languages or favored terrains that would be useful. I remember writing my own player guide for one homebrew Viking setting, which my players loved. I should try that again for a Swissy campaign, though I probably don't have to do as much custom lore. Yeah, one of the key advantages of a Star Wars role-playing system is pretty much everyone knows the gist. Pretty much everyone knows what to expect, and it's your job to communicate the twists on the shooting at stormtroopers formula. But you don't have to twist that if you don't want to. Sometimes the stormtroopers are zombies, get it? Oh. Yeah. Like the critically acclaimed novel Death Troopers? Or like the Ahsoka TV show for two episodes. Ah, that was, I loved that. That was so cool. Did you catch the subtle visual foreshadowing? To, well, not very subtle at all, actually. Um <laughs> To, to the, the, the zombie troopers in that one, they had the uh, the red sashes, uh, which matched the Night Sisters, which we know are heavily associated with the undead. And then what's that Japanese pottery style where the uh, cracked pottery oh, is filled with gold? Oh, man. I was just looking at this the other day. Oh, fuck. What's it called? Um, Kitsugi. Kitsugi. Totally wrong. I thought it was Ikring. No. But it's not. Uh, I noticed the red wrappings of the Night Sisters on the troopers and their Kintsugi esque uh, patches in, in their in their plasteel armor. And I was like, "Oh, those guys are going to go full Death Troopers!" And guess what they did? Wow, Steven's got to oh, he's oh, we do we do a little bit of literary analysis here yeah. on the podcast, oh, man. just a little bit. Let's continue reading this feedback. I remember one campaign of mine in which I had an interesting idea of Jedi Padawans on the run after Order sixty six, and I didn't have an end in mind, so the campaign kind of fizzled out after a certain point. Granted, I had a toxic player who was sapping the fun out of the group. Where is this going? But having a distinct end in mind probably would have helped quite a bit when I was planning. We were talking about this. Uh, this was last episode, 92, right? Yeah. Where, how, what, what did I say? <laughs> Steven's, Steven's coming down from a cold, so it, uh, it's please good. forgive him. I, I'm like, Sam pulls a new Steven out of the vat every few weeks. Is when I actually <laughs> meant to live this long. So I, I still haven't inherited the memories of the previous one. A botched, botched co-host. But you have club. inherited the sinuses of the previous, Stephen. Fucking, I hope not. Like, goddamn. <laughs> yes, last time I said it's a good idea to have a general idea for the end of a campaign in mind. So you always have a direction to work towards and kind of check yourself against that. You're saying uh, my final boss should be named General Idea? Not a bad idea. Wait. <laughs> well, no, a, a, no, a, a he's evil a big idea. bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, low-hanging fruit. I love it. Sometimes it's just as sweet. General idea, you're shorter than I expected. <laughs> you're less in, you're less original than I expected. Yeah. 
Oh, some sort of dark military leader sorcerer who lives in a sort of spiky tower in a distant forbidden land. But he's a general. (laughs) Bombad general? Oh, super bombad racer, maybe. If you're choosing just a few source books to use as an inspiration for a campaign, then your list of options might be limited by era. I disagree, but I'll continue reading. But it might still be useful to consider other books. For instance, if you're running an insurgency cell, then you should absolutely pick up the Rebellion Era book. Or a military-heavy campaign should consider Clone Wars as well as Galaxy at War, even if it's not set during that era. Oh, never mind. I, I do agree. He he. <laughs> Yep, that's right, Stephen. Uh, yep. You agree. You didn't read the. You didn't finish reading the sentence. So uh, you place judgment, just like everyone else on Reddit. You place judgment before finishing the content of the post. I'm a redditor through and through, Sam. Absolutely, General Redditor. Uh, you're wholesome 100 than I expected. Uh, I'm never talking to you again after this episode. Just so you know. <laughs> Oh, you're fucking cutting us out of seven episodes of the Dark Times podcast. Yeah, we're, we're, we said no more. We said fuck it. <laughs> oh, man. Steven, what are we talking about today? I'm sick and tired of what if what if the last three episodes of the Dark Times have been about like the hero's journey, like campaign planning? Like, I don't even know what the last one was, but. Can, can we just go back to, to the simple days when it was all about like weapon features and like, like talent trees. Can we just do like, just humor me for one more episode. And can we just do something that doesn't require a, a fucking like textbook to wrap your head around? What do you mean? Like, like a English degree? Yeah. 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 Let's do that. No, Oh uh, no. Okay, great. So I, I want to talk about what we- I want to talk about rifles. We're doing a we- It's a weapons feed. Hey, pull confetti. From the ceiling. It's the it's the first Dark Times weapons feature probably in like 20 episodes, maybe 30. <laughs> I think um, I think heavy weapons was like 82. OK, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> OK, <laughs> Stephen, go 10 episodes without just reading stat blocks on the air challenge level impossible. It sells, baby. <laughs> No, 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 no. Well, you didn't just bring like normal blaster rifle, right? You brought, no, like, cool no. I, I brought two kind of standout blaster rifles that are actually some of my Ooh. personal favorites. One of which I use like all the time as a game master and the other of which I, I've yet to actually use in the game as a player or, or otherwise. The DC-17M interchangeable weapon system, also called the DC-17M ICWS, is a weapon unique to clone commandos. The varying demands of the battlefield and the clone commandos' atypical missions led Blast Tech to design this weapon to fill three different roles. The basic configuration is a standard blaster rifle. Additional attachments, however, can be added to transform the weapon into a sniper rifle or an anti-armor grenade launcher. Clone commandos appreciate the versatility of the ICWS, which reduces the weight they carry by reducing the number of their weapons. Wow. An interchangeable rifle system can be switched among three different modes. Standard blaster rifle mode, sniper rifle mode, and anti-armor mode. Switching weapon modes is a standard action. What? That's a big saving, Sam. To, to, To switch and ready a weapon as just a standard action? That's pretty good. Yeah, without quick draw, that's two move actions. Exactly. A move action to put away your weapon and then a move action to draw the next one, correct? This reduces that down to just a standard action. Pretty neat. In fact, I'm going to write that down real quick and add that to my analysis at the end because it plays into an important piece of this that I think you'll appreciate. Oh, 
Steven, can I just say that I know in Rebels and in like Rebellion era stuff, they kind of go into like the money behind war and it's like, oh, you know, Encom uh, made the X-Wing and they let it get stolen to, you know, stuff like that. Right. But I do love the nitty gritty behind like Blast Tech making the E-11 and also making the, you know, the Grand Army, the Republic weapons and stuff like that. It's really cool. Yeah, George certainly didn't base any of, of that off of any real world ideas behind no, weapon no, manufacturers. No, everyone knows actually weapon manufacturers always pick a side, one side, and it's always the right side. And, the, and they stick to that side, always. Mm-hmm. Okay, Steven. <laughs> anyway, it's a rifle, of course, and it's size medium. Hey, isn't, isn't that kind of nifty? Medium. Wait, really? That's crazy. You get three weapons... Medium. I think it's the only medium grenade launcher, too. Oh. And the only medium sniper rifle, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it... Well, we'll, 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 we'll get ahead of myself here. So it, it's only five kilograms. That's only half a kilogram more than your standard blaster rifle, actually. So oh. three weapons, Sam, for roughly the same weight as your standard blaster rifle. Wait, well, what's the catch, Stephen? What's the catch? You know, Sam, we're going to go through this and there, there really isn't much of one. It, it is, it, it is 4,500 40, credits. <laughs> <laughs> you know well what? You got there. me there. I forgot. I well forgot there, to look at the price. <laughs> so yeah. It How is much is the blaster rifle? How much? A is thousand the credits. Rifle? So this is yeah. four and a half <laughs> times more expensive than a standard blaster rifle. But I think you're actually still saving money if you factor in the sniper rifle and, and grenade launcher that, that are. You've got a point because 4,500 does not sound like enough for this. Is well, this like the bulk price that the, the Grand Army of the Republic was getting? It actually is. And I'll, yeah, oh. I'll, I'll draw your attention to the military availability. Dude, a little, you know, we haven't reviewed it in a while, but I feel like this used to be a bread and butter of the dark times. We haven't reviewed license requirements in a little bit, so maybe now it's time to to just take a peek at that. What was the true cost of this weapon? Well, if you want to get it illegally, which is sometimes easier, especially for weapons of this caliber, that's got a four times black market cost multiplier. Oh, I forgot about the black market. It's it's actually 18,000 credits. That sounds right. That's on the black accurate. market with a skill DC of 20 and five days to actually get your paws on this sucker. Okay. But what about the green market? A la Doug. We. <laughs> Holy fuck. I, that was like the last thing I was. Re- I, I had a response prepared because you were podcasters. Like I have a response to what I think you're going to say. Ready to go. And that was just so far off my radar. The green market a la Doug. What the fuck? <laughs> the actual fuck? Anyway, sorry. the military I'm license sorry. fee, alternatively, is 20%. Well, But as we know, we don't always want governments, be it local or imperial, knowing in intimate detail your background and your the weapons you own and your purchase history and your location, right? Especially if you're interested in owning military hardware, you don't necessarily always want a record of you owning military hardware. What you, if I have a falsified identity? Isn't that forged documents? Uh, yes. That would be attempting deception? the bureaucracy DC with a deception check, I believe. I believe so. Yes. Yes, it is. So it pot- says right here. Potentially you could, you could pay someone enough to 
forge a cheaper version of <laughs> forge yourself a cheaper license for this military grade weapon. And not to mention this gun doesn't actually have the rare tag. I think it should though. Cause it, it was made and used exclusively by clone commandos. And I think there was like only a hundred of those or so. No, no, no. They were buying these for like senators, kids and stuff. <laughs> True, true. How could I? How could I forget? Yeah, there weren't that many clone commandos. Um, they, a lot of them died uh, in action. That was kind of their whole deal. Uh, so I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't let just any player buy this. I this I would be call it their deal, Stephen. They're deep behind enemy lines, man. The, the, what, you, you even played the game. Yeah, the deal is they survived. <laughs> it's like the whole point is that they were good enough to survive. <laughs> Which of the I'm who sorry. was sent on suicide no. missions? Was it the the commandos or the alpha like arc commandos? Because there's there's like four different like black ops commandos in in the Grand Army of the Republic. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. By the time of the Bad Batch, there's way more commandos than you'd think there'd be left. Or like the the null commandos, whatever. Like I don't know. I didn't read the Dark Horse comics or read the the commando novels. Sorry. Anyway, uh, yes, this thing is hard to get a hold of. It might. I I would consider it rare. This to me, this I wouldn't give this weapon to my soldier and my party until this is like their capstone, like final leg of the campaign weapon. This is like this is like their plus three uh, uh, Mithrin sword or whatever. You know, like, like that. That's what this is to me. Great in a one shot too, though. Honestly, great, great to just hand someone at the start of a one shot and just let them go fucking ham. It's great because it introduces a new sort of tactical gear into the mix you know oh like, yeah oh, it, the, it, the action economy gets stirred up like a big like a big pot 100 baby so let's let's get real into the meat of it here it's got blaster rifle mode not much to say here it's functionally identical to your standard blaster rifle that's that's all there is to say about it really it's single shot out of fire energy damage it does have a stun setting that's pretty cool you could count that as a fourth weapon if you're like a rules lawyer hey 3d8 damage not bad. It it wins campaigns. It wins wars. It wins wars. <laughs> <laughs> then there's sniper rifle mode, which this is pretty nifty. This is a medium-sized sniper rifle, of which I'm pretty sure it's the only one in the game. Uh, it includes a targeting scope, so there's no penalty to attack at short range. That's nifty. The wielder does take, however, a minus two penalty against targets at, and the book says, unmodified point-blank range. I think that means if you have a uh, an accessory or a feat that messes with point with with like uh, weapon ranges, it, it says don't count those. Is is the message I'm going to oh, hear? That absolute point blank range is what this means. That's fair because yeah. otherwise it's 3D10 damage. I would just use this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I'd only switch to blaster rifle mode if I needed to, you know, do a stun attack or something like that. Or auto fire, right? So yes, fire, that yeah, that's yeah. exactly why they have that stipulation here because if they didn't, then there would be no reason to use blaster rifle mode at all ever. <laughs> oh, another another thing I would throw in for this weapon to make it just a little bit harder to use. Don't allow this weapon to be modified in any way. Don't allow any outlaw tech. Don't allow any outlaw modifications because this shit is complicated. I like to imagine this is an intricate or equipment upgrades. Yeah. Or that's what I meant. Sorry. Don't allow those on this weapon or, or don't allow more than like one. Cause th- the shit's already like in my mind as tricked out as it can get. It's three guns in one. Like 
There's no room. I mean, absolutely. I would because, well, technically it's got one upgrade slot base. Yeah. Uh, you could also just rule no outlaw tech on this thing. It's too military grade for outlaw tech at all. Exactly. It's, I, you can't, I totally get it. Yeah. You can't fuck with this thing in a way that matters. <laughs> <laughs> I get that tattooed on me, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here's anti-armor mode, which is a, a little, you know, it, you're, you're, you might have complex feelings about this, but let's get into it. When the ICWS is in anti-armor mode, the weapon functions as a single shot grenade launcher that fires special anti-armor rounds with a three square burst radius. Hey, that's a total grand area of 24 squares, by the way. Sorry, 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 sorry. Three square burst radius? Three radius? Yes. That's huge. Three square burst radius is an area of 24 squares. That's like bigger than normal grenades. <laughs> yes. 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 That's insane. Uh, each round weighs one kilogram and costs 400 credits. So they're heavy and expensive. Mm. In this mode, the ICWS is considered a heavy weapon. Keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that later. It deals 46 damage, no stun setting, slashing damage, single shot, of course. So to, to sum it all up, it's very economical, saves a fuck ton of space and money. It's one of the most versatile weapons in the game, and it, uh, but it is rare, I would, I would say. It, it's not technically, like, has the rare attribute, like the Wookiee Bowcaster, but this shit should be hard to find, like I said. Perfect for a one-shot or a capstone weapon for your favorite soldier in your party. You have to spend a feat to take full advantage of anti-armor mode, right? You need heavy weapon proficiency, Sam, to use this to its full potential. Now, you could get by without doing that and half damage over an area that's 24 squares big still sounds pretty cool, right? It doesn't sound bad. Like that's not the worst thing ever. And Hey, wait, but what, what serious soldier isn't going to have heavy weapon proficiency anyway? Like yeah, if, true. if a soldier is enough of like a gun toting, like big beefing ranged splashy damage guy that would deserve and benefit from a weapon of this type, I struggle to imagine that character not having or not planning to take heavy weapon proficiency. That's that's I think you need it. it because if you don't, then it's worse than using just grenades. That's correct. That's yeah, correct. So I think you, you you might as well have it. And hey, you brought up a great point earlier, Sam, something I didn't even consider when I was writing all this down. There's feet savings offered by this weapon and it's subtle. You blink and you'll miss it. You don't need quick draw. Yeah, you're you, saving you, a whole move action <laughs> i yeah. don't know yeah yeah, yeah you are <laughs> yeah potentially like a whole turn i mean being able to get a move action back from switching weapons that's switching to sniper mode and getting to cover in the same turn oh that's so good yeah that's so good or alternatively switching to anti-armor mode and getting in view of the of the t4b tank that's bearing down on your party in one turn oh that's pretty sweet, Steven. That's the ICWS. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I've wanted to feature this gun on the show for a while just because it's, it's kind of interesting and unique in the game. I, I scared myself because I couldn't find it on the wiki at first and thought I just imagined the whole thing. <laughs> I found a homebrew weapon and I was like, oh, fuck, is it homebrew? Has it been homebrew this whole time? But no, it's, it's, it's real and it's in Galaxy at War. So go check it out. It's real. <laughs> 
ICWS is real. So it's the perfect gun that like players, please do this where you like you, you, you give your GM, you like your wish list for the campaign and this shit's on it. And they give you that look like, oh, OK, the ICWS. Yeah, sure. Oh, you're, you're a Dark Times listener, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to spotlight the Flechette launcher, Sam. Uh, this is a personal favorite of mine from the Jedi Knight games. I'll just go ahead and read from the book here. The Flechette launcher is found in the Force Unleashed campaign guide, by the way. The Flechette Launcher is an anti-personnel weapon that saw extensive use during the last half of the Clone Wars. It fires canisters filled with hundreds of tiny Durasteel darts that spread out over a large area. Uh, First off, fucking ow. Like, (laughs) like, gee, like, ouch. Oh, man. It's like getting your cholesterol checked a million times at once. (laughs) (laughs) A Flechette Launcher is considered a splash weapon. With a one square splash radius. Sam, do we remember what splash does? Um You can say no. Oh, it's uh it's 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 a single target, but it does area attack to the around the surrounding squares. Is that what it is? Th- that's correct. You compare your attack roll to every adjacent target to the primary target, and these adjacent targets take half damage on a hit and no damage on a miss. Uh, It's also, since it's an area attack, like all area attacks, the primary target of a splash attack takes full on a hit, half on a miss. So pretty nifty. Nice. Due to its single shot nature, though, a flechette launcher may not be used with the rapid shot feat or any other feat or talent that expends more than a single shot. Fucking wash me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) A flechette, watch watch my GM forget (laughs) in the session and me do it anyway. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, t- I pressed the button <laughs> you just stuff two jars full of <laughs> full of nails down the fucking barrel oh it's like that one doom mod <laughs> oh man a flechette launcher requires special ammunition with a cluster of four shots costing 50 credits after four shots the canister must be replaced so this is like many weapons in the game a trade-off of your standard blaster rifle, just a subtle tweak for uh, to excel in very specific situations. It's large, so it's not medium. Keep that in mind. It costs 1,100 credits. Still deals 3d8 damage, so okay, no stun setting. Single shot rate of fire. Weighs 5 kilograms, so even heavier than the ICWS, actually. It's piercing damage. Military availability, it's an area attack weapon, of course, and it's inaccurate. It cannot fire at targets at long range, but you're probably never going to try and fire at targets at long range anyway, let's be honest. It's interesting that this is a rifle and not a heavy weapon. Right? It's it's one of those that's like really kind of pushing the, the barrier on like the rifle versus heavy. It's, I believe, one of just a few rifles that is an area attack weapon, whereas most yeah, heavy weapons are heavy or well. area attack, of course. Uh, if... You could make like a heavy flechette launcher version if you bumped the damage up like to, gosh, 3D I don't 10. know. Yeah, 3D10, 48, you know, however oh, you want to 48. spend it. Oh, 48. Ooh. Yeah. That's nice. It's one of my favorite go-tos to beef up NPCs. Sam, you may recognize it because like when you cross the threshold into like prestige class territory, stormtroopers in my campaigns start carrying these more and more often. <laughs> Because players don't listen and forget that they shouldn't cluster. And it's just really, really fun to bust out at at the right time. It's like, oh, you fucking around with the elite stormtroopers now. You know, they got bigger loadouts. Here comes the flechette launchers. 
Oh, I, th- I thought the Senate just passed like a huge bill that was like, let's get these flechette launchers in every every recruit's hands. <laughs> so funny. The absolute is like, I don't know why, but it was a unanimous vote in the Senate to get flechette launchers to every single stormtrooper. <laughs> the absolute advantage over normal rifles is subtle. The splash attack. Otherwise, this doesn't really shine much in comparison to just a normal blaster rifle. You must use it indoors, whether you're a game master or a player, uh, when targets are forced to cluster. That is where this weapon shines. Why would I have my session outside? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, I didn't know this was a Clone Wars weapon. I, I know it from the Jedi Knight games where, where I, I, I love it very much. Uh, it's, it's, a, mm. it's a mainstay in the multiplayer of that game. And I, I believe... Uh, I think Evo troopers or, or either or swamp troopers use it in, in Jedi Academy and, and Jedi. Nice. Yeah. Nice. These are nice weapons. Thank you. I, I'm a big fan of both of these. I, I obviously just love them from the video games that they're from respectively, but, uh, but they, they play a fun role in Swissy and when the time is right for either of them, they really shine and feel fucking great. Especially when they've got an officer right there next to him. Showing, showing your players who's boss. You know how to do it. All right. And uh, yeah, that wraps up this this week's weapon feature. Oh, thank you, Stephen. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad we can get some more of these out before, you know. Before the dark times. Before the dark times. Before the empire. Exactly. Uh, let's send you guys to the break. The break time. Time for the break. It's the break. Break time. Shout out to David R., our latest $10 tier patron. Let's fucking go. Heck yeah. Oh, what's this? Is it, did he leave a message? He left a message. I had to dig for it. He like responded to the Patreon, gave him like a, like a subscription survey. And he, and he left a comment on it. It was, it's like, Hey, why did you, why did you give these chuckle fucks money? And (laughs) what is it they sent us, Steven? Uh, He indicated that he's excited for, our exclusive content, and he left this comment. I have loved the podcast. I am on episode eight. You've already improved my game. I cannot wait to see what you have posted on Patreon. Steven, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that is episode 13. Yes. Yes, that that is that is how those Roman numerals are read. Thank you, Sam. I'm only a little embarrassed. Uh, yes, David R. is on episode 13. Thank you, David Well, R. what does David get for being a $10 tier on the Patreon? Well, first off, the most valuable benefit of all is our undying gratitude for supporting the show financially. You also have our undying gratitude if you support the show by listening, but you have a different undying gratitude if you help pay money to keep us on air. For three months of patronage in exchange, David R. will get not just the exclusive Dark Times D20 Cron sticker. By the way, you're not going to be able to get that pretty soon when things, when we switch over to a general sci-fi tabletop podcast after episode 100, you might, it might not, those might be hard to come by just saying as well as a D 20 Cron t-shirt, the t-shirt also, which may become a more rare commodity in the coming weeks. I don't, I certainly don't know. I'm I ordering do. extras just to sell on eBay after this all blows <laughs> Can over. Can you imagine the shows up at your fucking <laughs> local flea market in a fucking like what five the hell? for one dollar bin? Yeah. <laughs> at your fucking local Goodwill. They've got like a whole rack of them. 
Oh man. Oh, I got 10 more boxes of these things, man. <laughs> and not to mention, it's not over yet, folks. David R. also gets access to a slew of exclusive content only available to our Patreon. Some example supplements for your table, some maps Sam made, a movie commentary for Ewok's Adventure, A Caravan of Courage. Holy shit. And more coming soon. More to come, including our first ever video content. Whoa. And we totally didn't lose the first 10 minutes of because we are new. Yeah, to we told, it video. told. Well, you know, maybe I'll do something special for that. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how and it goes. The long promised, as of yet undelivered Dark Times module will also find its home forever exclusively on the Dark Times Patreon. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's great, Stephen. That's great. Um, these next two, well, okay. We're, we're going to get a little serious first. One yeah, second. we're going to get a little serious. There is a update. Owen Casey Stevens. I don't know if you guys remember. He's a, one of the head writers on Starfinder and Pathfinder first edition. Uh, is that right? Is it, or is it just Starfinder? Uh, he was, I believe a lead designer on Starfinder only and co-creator of a little game we like to call Swissy. Yes. Owen Casey Stevens is still fighting cancer. Uh, he has a GoFundMe. It's all very serious and he's a great guy and he has brought so much to the gaming space and it's only right for us to use this as little platform as we have to share his GoFundMe and see about our community or the Saga Edition community helping him in his fight against cancer, which is a very expensive fight. Very expensive. And, you know, Owen's a freelancer. You know, he pays for his own health insurance. And this disease is, is seriously preventing him from his own ability to make money the way that he's been accustomed to for so many years. And we can't fit Owen's various works and credits in this break time. He's been a big figurehead in the broader TTRPG community for longer than I'm sure many of us have actually been playing RPGs or, and perhaps maybe even have been alive. Owen's a great guy. He's got a really kind soul and he, he is all about doing the right thing. So it's only right that we do the right thing. You guys really showed up and raised, I think it was about $250 for Owen last time he was seeking funds for uh, cancer. We would love to do it again. A top donor going by the name of Rodney Thompson uh, is listed on his GoFundMe page. I would love to beat that this time if if we can. Um, so we're going to... Yeah, we, we beat Rodney back in 2007. We're going to beat him again. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So we're going to, we're going to help. We're going to beat Rodney and at the help, the same time, help Owen beat cancer. Yes. And we're going to be doing this the exact same way we did it last time. So get this for the entire month of March and April, all of our proceeds from Patreon will go to Owen's GoFundMe account. Just like last time, all transparent, all legit. Every step of this will be auditable and able for you to see just like last time I am going to be matching those funds that are from Patreon with my own cash that I earn from my like real life job, not my Swissy job. I will match your dollar for dollar. No limit for Owen. 
that's, that's, awesome, that's just, Steven. thank you. Thank you. It's hey, it's my pleasure. Owen's given me more than he'll ever know. Uh, and it's, it's the least I think we can do to, to show our thanks for, for a true figurehead. So just like last year, March, April, Patreon funds going straight to Owen. I'm matching them. If you'd like to donate to Owen, he's got his GoFundMe, which of course we're going to link down below as long as, as well as his website. Um, if you want me to match your donation to Owen, go right ahead, put it on the Patreon. It'll go to Owen at the end of April. And let's say you just want to get in on that cool dark times action, but you've been looking for an excuse to do so. This is your excuse. There you go. Absolutely. You can check out all the cool stuff we have on there and stick around for the the shirt or the sticker and, and just know that it's going to a good cause. We'll be posting a separate announcement, just like we did last time that we'll be doing a matching campaign for Owen. However you decide to help, please do. Uh, this is going to take all of us and then some. Uh, thank you. Well put, Stephen. Thanks. We also want to do a special shout out for Zoli Krolik. I don't know if you guys saw on the, yeah, on yeah. the comments the for the last episode. Fuck, man. Just cranking you out. Must have, this this must have. No, 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 no. This must have been like we must have. Uh, Ixon must have existed already. Right. Like with that whole thing we did last episode, that must have been a real. No, I like made that up on the spot. And I think I Googled oh. it later. And like Ixon <laughs> is like not a thing. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, so it's, you it's, told me Zoli Krolik made a unique map for our escape from Ixon, uh, like one shot that we contrived on the show live. Yeah. This also means that dear listeners, you have a free encounter with a free map, a quite fucking nice map. I, I might it is add a nice map. 32 by 32 as well. Yeah. Um, you've got an encounter. You've got a free map from our episode from last week. Go ham. Use that shit. Zloy. Love your maps. Great fucking work, man. Keep it up. You are. I, did you get a new map software or something? It's just is it like, like, are you just always like this? Like, um, I like Dungeon Painter Studio personally. I know Steve. Don't too. recommend that, man. <laughs> <laughs> are you serious? Well, it's good, but that shit's abandoned. It barely runs anymore. Oh, it hasn't had an update in years. Like, well, it was didn't abandoned. two come out? Didn't two come out? As a beta right before it was abandoned. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, we'll yeah. cut it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Don't, don't don't fucking recommend that, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Zloy, thanks for putting cool fucking free maps in the comments of our episodes these past few, you know, last few dark times. Maybe throw up a master post so these can get the attention and love that they deserve. These are Absolutely. a little bit hidden in the comments on Reddit, so be sure that you put them up on I think maybe you did put a few up on r slash Star Wars. Star Wars maps, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that you did. But I Yeah, the, the ones from uh uh, or Orto escape from, for escape from Orto? I think the Orto ones ended up on, on that subreddit. Uh, so maybe, maybe these did too, but yeah. Heck yeah. Well, rock on. Thanks for listening again, as always. Again, like we said, the Owen stuff's going to be in the description. We're matching all the donations from the Patreon, but of course, please donate directly, support Owen directly. Yes. hundred percent. Let's send you guys back to the show. Steven. What up? We've all been there. We've all been there. Derelict outpost, abandoned relic from a bygone war, sick fucking loot. Let's mm. say the party techie thinks they can turn on this hunk of junk and maybe there's some juicy info or intel that, that they can sell for a quick credit. Oh, no. They reactivated the station. The door closes. The lights come on. The gravity turns back on. Did I mention there was no gravity? There isn't now. <laughs> it, it, there's, it's back now. The voice of a militant New Zealander comes on over the loudspeakers and he says... So you want to join the ARC Trooper program? Well, that takes determination, instinct, guts, 
and a whole lot of training. Oh shit. The room the party's in, it's made of cubes. All the cubes start moving. It's fucking serious, Steven. All the cubes start moving. It makes up like fucking cool moving terrain and shit. The whir of droids coming to life fills the room. Uh, the militant New Zealander, uh, they call them Kiwis, apparently. Yeah, they're the called militant Kiwis. Kiwi, <laughs> the militant Kiwi speaks once more. Today's exercise, capture the flag. And fucking, I got chills, Steven. I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps over here. Oh, oh, I've got these cool Clone Wars weapons that Steven talked about, but I don't know how to introduce them in my games. Boom, we've done it. Here it is. This is how you do it. It's not easy pickings, that's for sure. They got to go through the gauntlet, brother. <laughs> oh, here it is. I found I found the map for this encounter. Oh, let's see it. Let's see. I want to see you. I want to see you. I, yeah, yeah. Um, Show me! All right, here it comes. It's the... The well-known Star Wars map maker, Droid Cartographer, uh, recently published, oh, well, it's five months old. I feel like a variant of this map goes up every, like, couple months or so, but this one is my I favorite. Love this. Uh, it's the exact uh, clone training simulation map that that we all know and love from from the Clone Wars. The Domino Squad, right? That, the, the, yeah, that's them. the Domino Squad Citadel encounter. Oh, this is, I love this. This is a yeah, sick it's map. Like, it's like pixel perfect to the the show i i feel like the colors are exact as well that's the crazy part yeah and <laughs> granted it's um it, it's got color variants there's like kind of a rustier browner one so maybe for the maybe perfect for your dark times you know abandoned fine we've shit we found this thing encounter oh this is great oh very very this. cool another great work from from droid oh. cartographer well i think droid cartographer always deserves a shout out whenever we can fit one because holy oh, yeah. shit 100%. but yeah so let's say you're looking to run that encounter Here's your way to do it. And it's like, oh, I've got, I'm running a rebellion era game. I can't run this encounter. It's like, yes, you can. I just did it for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we just did it. Steven, what's, what are we looking at here? What's this encounter? So we've got the map. We've got the, the story behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking some battle, some, just some B1, just as many B1 squads as you can throw at them. Just, just a, a stupid amount of B1 squads. Like we're a talking like dynasty warriors of levels of, of B1 squads here. I love it. And what do, what do squad units, what's the, what's the gist on squad units? You know, oh, you head? know, we love squad units, Sam. You can make a squad out of any unit and any, any non-player stat block can become a squad. And it's a great way to bump up low level enemies to still use later in your campaign. And what I used it for a lot, once my players got past like level 16, is bump up really, really fucking hard stat blocks into even stupid harder stat blocks. <laughs> to create a squad, all you got to do is increase the character's size by one category and apply the relevant modifiers. So medium becomes large, etc. Double their hit points, increase their damage threshold by 10, add plus four to all attack rolls to signify that members of the squad are aiding each other, and increase the CL by two. All melee attacks made by a squad are considered melee area attacks. One of the one of like three, maybe two instances of such a thing in the game. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) that affect all squares within the squad's reach. Although a squad can choose not to affect a target with its attacks, so you can have squads do this without hitting each other. Essentially, all ranged attacks made by a squad are considered to have a one square splash. We just talked about splash. If the squad's weapon already has a splash effect, like a flechette launcher, increase the splash radius by one square. Two square splashing flechetting? Yeah. Splashing flechetting. <laughs> splashing flechetting. A squad can choose not to affect allies with its attacks. 
area attacks deal plus two dice of damage against a squad. My players always remember this because I made their lives hell with squads in, in an earlier campaign. <laughs> a squad cannot be grabbed or grappled, and a squad can make attacks of opportunity against creatures that provoke them, though these attacks of opportunity are not considered area attacks. That squad's in a nutshell. Heck yeah. And the fact there's there actually is there actually is a B1 series battle droid squad stat block already. Just ready to go nice. on the wiki? In the Clone Wars campaign guide. Yeah. Fuck. And people um, are stressing over campaign prepping. This shit does itself <laughs> for you. My only qualm with that is they only oh, have you're 20 hit points. You're My qualming. Qualming. I'm qualming, Steven. What's they only your have qualm? 20, they only have 20 hit points. They're B1s. They're made of fucking I tissue know. paper. So what I'm trying to say is use B2s, brother. <laughs> they only got 21 hit points. <laughs> I've, had, I've had frozen lasagnas that put up more of a fight than fucking B1 <laughs> battle droids, bud. <laughs> that's great that's really good i love that oh I'm really man. craving frozen lasagna now now so, i am too uh, you here's bastard. an aside here's an aside for for you and and the listeners don't make lasagna from scratch ever like i don't i don't care if you have a family recipe you but cannot, it's really good it's really good when you make it, it from scratch Steven. it's really have good. you ever had have you ever been no. gifted Fresh lasagna before? Yes, and we both have from the same fucking mom. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> We've had... That's the only lasagna from scratch that's worth making. And by the way, you can't make it, and I can't make it. Because that <laughs> mom is such a good fucking cook that we will never be able to touch her with a fucking 10-foot pole. I'm talking about <laughs> you. I'm talking you listening now. Me, Sam, you... What does that have to do with the Clone Wars? You can't make fro- you can't make lasagna from scratch. That's better than Stouffer's frozen lasagna. You can't do it. You can't do it. I've tried. <laughs> but you know what you can do? Is you make a damn good campaign. That's yeah. what Stouffer's can never take away from you. Thank you. Exactly. I'm glad I brought it back to Saga Edition. <laughs> I did actually have friends give me, gift me a cast iron pan, and inside the cast iron pan was a fully made veggie lasagna they made for me. Oh, that and sounds so it was good. So, I ate that shit for fucking four days. It was so good. Steven, let's pull out the encounter design checklist, because I want to ah, know what, like... Let's run it down. Let's run, let's run it down. Let's run it back. I let's knew this had to again. go somewhere. <laughs> Rule of six. Place all your enemies at least six squares away from each other. We have a big map, so we can do that. Easy. We're, we got B1 squads. We got B2 squads. Fuck it. Throw a Droidica in there. We Ooh. got <laughs> B1 we got with a rocket launcher, a la Star Wars Battlefront 2 2005. Absolutely. It's nothing like the simulations, actually, Steven. So maybe not the B1 with the, maybe not the B2s with the rocket launchers. <laughs> Watch those wrist rockets. Uh, exactly. Number two, large area. Fuck. I already spoiled it. We we got that covered. This map is, what, what is this map? 44 by 60. That's plenty. Oh. Cover. Does it have cover? By God, it's got cover. Concealment. What's great is... <laughs> what? We well, talk about it. We got to talk about it. We got to fill time. We gotta... No, we don't. We're doing great. We are. You're right. Uh, well, what you know, what you could do is you could take a square of this map and you could copy it and turn it into a token. And then you can use that to move, make more moving cover. Because you see it in the show. The, oh. like, this... <laughs> well, Sorry, I thought that was Lego Obi-Wan dying, actually. <laughs> you heard it, right? I did. I do. I did. Oh. 
you could do because they do it in the show where you see these these blocks move and like reveal more battle droids underneath them. I love it. I and love you're literally idea. so good at this. You did this with a sandstorm encounter fucking decades ago and blew all of our socks <laughs> off. It's so great. Listen, if you just take pieces of the ground and make them tokens and then you can move and reveal anything you want and the players will never know. Oh, that's actually always been there. Idiot. <laughs> Your passive perceptions in the fucking ground, bud. <laughs> Passive perception is a whole different system, buddy. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The next on the encounter design checklist, cover concealment. Sorry. Concealment. You, you're fucking, maybe I should just drive like, <laughs> yeah, t- here, take the wheel concealment. Well, we've got cover, which can provide concealment. And like Sam said, this terrain is dynamic and can shift to provide concealment. Maybe the lights go out. There's your concealment. Yeah, maybe like, uh, your players are smart enough to shoot out the lights. Oh, <laughs> please. No, Obi-Wan. Why does no, no one ever do that? <laughs> why did, why did no one ever do that? What do you mean? Oh, never shoot. Out RPGs the lights? are like the only time where you could always shoot out the lights and no one ever says you can't see anything. Cause it's, then you have Steven complaining about the first three episodes of the bad, bad being too dark. <laughs> so also, funny. they were using stun weapons in the, in uh, that training simulation. So they probably couldn't shoot out the lights. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Difficult terrain? Well, I don't really see any here, but you could make some. Maybe there's an oil slick that's left from the years of abandonment that this training facility has. Oh, I love that. Uh, A a thermal detonator makes the floor all cracked and difficult. Maybe maybe the the moving squares have uh, malfunctioned from years of neglect. Uh, And so they just start shaking back and forth. Genius. I could cradle your (laughs) fucking face and kiss you on the mouth right now. Please don't, Stephen. What would the patrons think? Gosh. (laughs) Doors, a.k.a. egresses. We got them. Look, top of the map, bottom of the map. Bam. That's what enemies are coming out of there. Uh, The ever-shifting tiles on the floor can move and reveal a lift with more enemies on it. Like, absolutely, He's a genius. Unlimited egresses here. Hazards? Dude. This is a prime encounter for electrified floors. Electrified floors, mines. I'm fucking clapping. I'm clapping, audience. Yeah. What's another? <laughs> here, let's find one more because there's got to be one more good hazard to, to put down here. We got a mines, electrified swamp floors. gas. <laughs> I don't know about swamp gas. The madness uh, of knowledge. It's <laughs> <laughs> a hazard. What about yes? <laughs> what about a what about frozen lake or rat ghoul disease? You can throw. You could throw a um. You could throw a magnet in there, giant magnet. Oh, did someone recently make a giant magnet hazard that's free for anyone to use always? Yeah, we we still got it on the fridge. It's still up there from last time we made it. <laughs> oh, it's a little crooked. Let me fix that. Oh, man. Oh, well, you know, you get an A for hazard making. <laughs> um, radiation? I, I, I radiation. Whenever I'm stumped on a hazard to throw in, it's radiation. You notice that, Sam? <laughs> yes, I have noticed that. <laughs> Skill checks. There's towers here. Climbing. Acrobatics. Maybe you're a techie hacks and tries to disable the floor. They can't always. They can't, exactly. They, they, that's how they got into this mess. They better try and get us out of it by trying to turn off anything. Elevation differences. We've got them. This map has four towers. Not to mention elevation on this map can change because the floor is always changing. And the middle part is raised. So that counts, too. Heck yeah. And also the end of it, the tower is, is the citadel oh, right, itself right, right. is raised. Oh, of course. 
Is it the last one on the encounter design checklist? Well, there's there's the secret bonus one, which is enemy diversity, but we kind of covered that one already. Enemy diversity is great. I'd like to add a, another secret bonus one to the counter design checklist, Stephen. Oh? Dynamic encounter goals. Ah. My favorite. Maybe the players know that if they finish the simulation, it deactivates all the droids. They just got to go capture the flag. Um, we, we've done, I, I did a dynamic encounter goal once where the, the goal was escape. The goal was not to destroy all the stormtroopers and take out the base. The goal was to push these big, heavy carts onto a, onto an Imperial shuttle and get the fuck out. <laughs> exactly. And I love stuff like that. Cause stuff like that makes it more memorable for players than just shoot a bunch of guys in a room, then move to the next room and shoot more guys. And it also makes them think more tactically. Oh. I can use an action to throw a grenade right now, or I can use an action to move the crate or get closer to the, to the goal, or, or I can set up my next, the next player for success by sending my ascension gun and shooting up to the Citadel Tower. I, it's, you got a lot of options here. It's gorgeous, Sam. It's gorgeous. Uh, that, that was a nice, fast, and loose one, Steven. I think we did a pretty good job. Uh, we're so good at cranking this shit out. If only I could do it at the table. I know, right? Yeah, if only we could freestyle sessions like this at the table and not just fucking flounder. Don't worry, listeners. We're not, I mean, we're really good at podcasting, but we're not that good at actually GMing. Well, no, Steven's great. Steven's great. I'm the one who needs help. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, well, great job, Steven. Great, uh, good episode. Good episode. Great job to you, Sam. So far. You know, uh, uh, Steven, I want to play a game. Oh, like a, like a Saw game? No. Oh, well, thank God. Maybe. <laughs> this is a game I call Concept Ars and Concept Arts, a game about concept art. Oh, I really enjoyed this last time. I'm glad. Well, we're so back, Stephen. We're so back. I'm glad. All right. For those unfamiliar, I've got three pieces of Star Wars concept art here, all ranging from easy to hard. And I've also got these sources. And I'm going to show Stephen these images without telling him the artist or the source, and he is to guess where they come from. The, I'm supposed to guess the movie that the concept art is for, The right? movie, okay. yes, the movie. Steven, we are going to start with this one. I want you to describe it to the listener when you see it. I'm sending it to you on Discord. Okay, Don't based. let them know we use Discord. Then they can't know. They can't know. Describe this. Ah, oh, I know this one. Yeah, but okay. Uh, yeah, so this is round one. Easy one, Stephen. Describe it to the yeah, listener. That's true. So I see. Uh, I, I see two kind of kind of grim sci-fi towers. Very gray, very brutalist. There, between these two towers are are several bridges uh, that that have windowed sides. So you can see into them, and through each of these bridges, what appeared to be maybe prisoners uh, are being led single file. I, I think they're prisoners because uh, they're all wearing identical uh, jumpsuits and are all. Uh, facing the same direction and appears that their hands are bound. This is very clearly not like a city or any sort of residential or business scene. Uh, this is a tight, controlled, brutal scene uh, reminiscent of a prison. We've got these great tresses. I like these that suspend these bridges. And in the far background, you can see those two little waterfalls that are coming from what seems to be industrial like uh, facades for water to go through. Perhaps. Very much like a, it, the it, side of a dam, yes. Yeah, the side of a dam. Steven, you know this one. What is this? This is from Andor, of course. It is from Andor. This is Andor 
concept art by Giorgio Greco. This is uh, Giorgio, at, probably. Giorgio? Giorgio? G-I-O-R-G-I-O? Yes, it's an Italian Giorgio. variant of George. Giorgio. Oh, Giorgio Greco. Yeah. <laughs> Giorgio <laughs> Greco. Uh, at underscore Greco underscore on Twitter. No, it's Grogu. Grogu. <laughs> at underscore Grogu underscore on, on Grogu. That was round one, Stephen. That's super easy. And listener, obviously, as soon as Stephen describes them, you're welcome to to go check them out in the description and and pause before Stephen guesses so that you can get your own guess in. Round two. This is the medium medium one, Stephen. Describe what you see here to the listener. Okay, I'm looking at a, a almost uh, perhaps a shipyard. It appears a, a star destroyer is is under construction or demolition. It's not exactly clear. It's another kind of gray, grim scene. The, the artist clearly has some impressionist influences, as you can see. Uh, if you look especially at the control tower of the Star Destroyer, you can see some vertical brushstrokes giving it kind of a, an airy feel. Uh, in the distance, we see some uh, freighter-type ships that look like they're specialized in carrying large chunks of hull that will be either assembled or disassembled from this, this Star Destroyer. Stephen, what do you think this... Uh... Now, are they all... So... <sighs> Is this, so are video games included in this? This is, this, this, what I've brought you today is all live action. All live action. Okay, okay. Yes. That's good to know. Um, yeah, yeah, Gosh, golly, I'm, I'm really not sure. It's definitely a more modern Star Wars concept art. So I'm going to say Solo? Steven, you are a god. Yes, this <sighs> is Solo concept art. This is Solo concept art by Vincent Jenkins. Very nice. Uh, at Vincent J underscore artist on Twitter. Really cool. This is this is one of them that would make a great like a campaign splash screen on. Ex- on this, so this is the point. So now you you understand the game now. The game yeah. is to bring these really cool splash pieces to listeners that they can use in their own games, which I think is a great idea. It's a this one's great because you really nailed it when you're talking about the impressionist, those sort of like hazy brushstrokes because that that's sort of the Corellia vibe that they got in the film not necessarily that we got on the screen but that (laughs) they were aiming for for the solo film uh yeah so yeah that great job Stephen that was number two that was nice nice you're two you're two for two today Stephen last one all right what do you see here Mm. Stephen okay okay um I see a series of um of pillars they remind me of like of beehives they're they're i think some sort of like um habitation like like some sort of alternative houses uh hewn from like natural stone or, or perhaps some other organic material in the background there's a, an unmistakable uh, fleet of star destroyers looks like three or four here and a a very um kind of gray almost grim, depressing, like moon or other celestial body hangs uh, behind the the Star Destroyer in the foreground. There's a few people in the village below. They appear that they're maybe wearing some sort of uh, environmental suits. I I see an unmistakable domed helmet, uh, and it looks like they may be wielding weapons as well. I'm reminded of some other Rebels concept art that I'm familiar with, which in turn is based on some early, early uh, Star Wars concept art by um, don't uh, make it sound like I know his Ralph, name immediately uh, in the show. Ralph McQuarrie. Yeah, this, this, it's funny. I'm looking at like a double reference to some old, old Ralph McQuarrie concept art here. Um, I think this is from Ahsoka. Oh, Stephen, that is not correct. This is no. Not this is so I, I the problem is, is I buried the lead too early and I said this was all live action because I was hoping that this picture would make you think Rebels explicitly. 
And right. so you'd probably lean really into be like, oh, it's rebels. You were very close. That sort of that's this black figure we have in the foreground must be some sort of droid because this is Rogue One concept art. So that, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. This must be K two, or it probably isn't. It's probably just uh, Jedi concept art because that's sort of what we're looking at here. Makes this sense. Is, yeah, this is Jedi concept art by uh, Matt Alsop. Very uh, cool. Matt Alsop one on Twitter who worked on Star Wars Rogue One. Love it. Yeah, I, I I do love how this this definitely looks more like Lothal, right? Because we got those kind of yeah. big domish pieces that you see on Lothal. And, and Lothal was in turn based on early Alderaan concept art, which is uh, that, that was the red herring that fooled me. This might this might actually be um, Alderaan. Also, the story of Rogue One's production is very uh, <laughs> crazy. There's a lot of different planets that didn't see the screen, so this might as well this might in fact be Alderaan concept art. Who knows? Oh, very uh, cool. But it is really cool. And, you know, I, I love the the colors on this one. And this is another one that I would totally use as a splash screen for for a, a Star Wars Saga Edition campaign. Absolutely. It's it's cool. It's it's harrowing. It's very cold. Like I, I, I shiver like looking at this image. It looks like a oh. kind of a cold sci fi dusk. It's, it's I very love nice. how the the Star Destroyers are foreshortened in a way that like it feels like they just landed in from hyperspace. Right. You know and, what I and mean? They're, they're almost like strange, like that, that most, that foremost Star Destroyer, it kind of looks like you're looking at it from the front and the side at the same time. It's, oh, yeah. it's elongated I, I in a it. kind of an eerie way. It's, it's very neat. I love it. Oh, it's so good. Maybe perhaps this could be like the view of the empire from uh, a more primitive planet that doesn't know about the empire. And this is the sort Ooh. of like the first, this is like the first description of what it was like when the empire came. I don't know. I love that. Some, just something. It's good to get the creative juices going, you know? Speaking of getting juices flowing, Stephen, you did a great job. You did not win uh, the concept <laughs> R or concept art game, so no I'm going to have to end week. your life. End your life now. <laughs> no slop this week. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, Stephen, do you have any trivia for us this week? I do. Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen trained for two months in fencing and fitness preparation for their epic battle in Revenge of the Sith. As a result of their practice, the speed at which Kenobi and Vader engaged the duel in the completed movie is the speed in which it was filmed, and it was not digitally accelerated. You can tell, I feel like, because you could definitely it, tell. It's got real weight to it, and, you know, it's it, especially when they do that iconic obi any spin, it's, it's incredible that that's truly at real speed. I, I almost don't believe it, but uh, I, I thought it was a neat piece of trivia regardless. Uh, double trivia for you. The way they did the reshoots in Solo, they had a separate. So the main production team worked with the actors. The second unit team worked on the stunt shots. Mm. And then they had a third production team just for getting like pickup shots or any like establishing shots and stuff like that. While they were doing all the Ron Howard reshoots, reshoots for Solo. Uh, this is after Phil Lord and Chris Miller uh, were fired. <laughs> from the the film um what's cool about this or what's interesting rather compared to this this trivia they did the stunts at normal speed and in places where they couldn't train the actors to do the stunts or do a good job at getting the actors to do the stunts they made the actors do the stunt at half speed and then moved their faces onto the full speed stunt doubles wow which That's, explains why it looks really jarring sometimes in the movie. Because, <laughs> buddy, it's a bit uncanny when you see people moving at half speed, fast forwarded to move at full speed, especially their facial expressions. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, a lot of a lot of funny stuff about Solo, huh? 
It's a funny, <laughs> funny little movie. The only Star Wars movie to ever lose money. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm did you not, not know that? that surprised. No, I did not know it lost money. That's uh <laughs> well, it explains why we only had two entries into the Star Wars story. <laughs> uh, well, <Collection. laughs> righty. Well, that was awesome. That was a good episode, Stephen. I enjoyed it. I very much enjoyed it. Dig it. The Dark Times is produced and edited by me, Sam Stevens, my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. Tell someone about the show. Tell your table about the show. Tell us you told your whole table about the show. And we'll shout you guys all out on the show. Uh, again, don't forget, we are matching the Owen Casey Stevens donations on the Patreon for this month, March, and next month, April. Uh, get on there. Get the cool stuff. Help support Owen. Also, check out his GoFundMe in the description. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? What about the droid attack on the Wookiees? What about the droid attack on the Wookiees, Steven? Fucking Kiati uh, Mundi coming in here just saying shit. Like, was he going to do anything about it? Fucking no. He didn't volunteer. Yoda was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll handle it. But there's Keati always Mundi that guy at the work fucking... meeting who like, we're all finally getting, approaching the same page on, on the topic at hand. And then just like, oh, what about this other shit? You hate what? It's also, it's also the guy who's working from home, right? Kiati yep. Mundi's not even yep. at the fucking council meeting. He's like, no. oh, but guys, I'd love to do, I'm stuck at home with the kids. Cause I'm the only one allowed of us allowed to have children. <laughs> Kiati Mundi works from home is a sentence that I really just want to see played out to its fullest. <laughs> Can you imagine him just like holding a kid as a hologram in the council meeting? Big old heads blocking his face. Like. Daddy's working. <laughs> oh, good night, everybody.